Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Daily Grindhouse Presents No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. And that's Mo Pawn, yeah. And with me, as always, the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug Tilly, bow, bow, number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow. I like how you chuckled during that. <laughs> because I thought it was a very nice effect. Because I went out of my way to get it to you beforehand so you can listen to it, you know, know what it is, so that it doesn't hit you by surprise and you still chuckled. <laughs> hey, I'm a very busy man, as everyone who pays attention to me, meaning nobody, uh, already knows, uh, that I'm not in my normal place of living right now. <laughs> what does that mean? No, I'm in uh, my home uh, town and my home that I grew up in uh, here in Newfoundland, Canada. I'm on vacation right now, uh, yet I felt a responsibility to take part in this podcast, Mo, because otherwise it would just be your voice. It'd be like you're talking to nobody at all. That's how it is some weeks. That's how it is most weeks. <laughs> Only reversed. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, it won't be either of us falling asleep this week because we're uh, we're very lucky to uh, to be talking about a movie that is only an hour long. Yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely going to be a uh, uh, a nice departure from <laughs> last from last one. Yeah. I mean, this isn't something that we're uh, not used to. I mean, this is something we see again and again where a lot of these movies don't quite reach that 90-minute mark. But this particular film... I say 90. This one doesn't even reach the 75. <laughs> it barely, I mean, I, I think it's, it's just... Yeah, it's, ju- it, uh, it's... I don't even think it is. I think, I think it's actually like 58 with right. credit. And this one... And this one flames out in spectacular fashion. The best, the best end of the film flame out ever. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I can't wait to get into yeah. it. Uh, let's let's say what the name of the movie is again. Well, I'll <laughs> let you take care of that since you already have said so much fun doing so. Yeah. Uh, sorry, what's going? Was I, was I supposed to do that, or were you? Yeah, I said you'll take care of it. You'll say. Oh it. yeah, it's uh, it's rock and roll space patrol. Action is go! go! All right, very good. Yeah, no, today's uh, episode is uh, featuring rock and roll space patrol. Action is go. Though uh, the film itself, it mostly refers to it as rock and roll space patrol. Yeah. Even has a great theme song, um, and it is a science fiction comedy super. Extra ultra low budget movie yeah. uh, from 2005, so it's pretty recent. Let's let's just say let's just say like uh, 90. I'd say like 90 percent of 
any kind of special effects done in this movie are done in post. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, though it does have a commitment to its own low budgetness, oh sure, like low yeah. budget scenarios and and uh, a lot of the uh, locations are specifically chosen, even though they look ridiculous, uh, for their kind of. It really does. I think we might have mentioned this before. It reminds me of that science fiction film at the beginning of Strange Brew, mm. <laughs> fleshy-headed mutant. Uh, but it, it's, it has a sense of fun that, uh, that suggests that the creators knew exactly the sort of production that they were aiming well, for. Well, it, was almost, it was almost like the budget of this film was a character in, in and of itself. Absolutely, and and certainly it seems like the difficulties that must have occurred during the production of this film, that becomes a character in and of itself as well, because it defines the look of the film, particularly in the last 20 minutes, where things go batshit in a very unique kind of way. Um, This movie is also unique because it was distributed by Troma. Yeah, I mean, which is a pretty big name, I mean, as far as, like, low-budget film is concerned, you know, and probably the the biggest name that we've covered. Yeah, in terms of a production, well, I, I guess they, they didn't produce it, but in terms of a distributor, distributor yeah. that's absolutely the case. I mean, Troma has been known to distribute no-budget films or ultra-low-budget budget sure. films. I mean, I, I guess Redneck Zombies is probably the most well-known mm. one of that. But uh, but they've done a number of those, and they certainly support uh, low-budget short filmmakers. But this is still sort of unique in their catalog, uh, from what I've seen, just because of the threadbareness. Oh, of sure, it. yeah. I mean, you know, even even the low-budget stuff is that that trauma usually does still tries to maintain some semblance of. You know, plot and story and, <laughs> and stuff. You know, the the general stuff like that. You know, yeah, the stuff that Trump was known for, plot and. Story. Well, I'm just saying, like you know, like it's it's not just it's not just a guy driving in a car with the word turbo jet written on the side. You know, <laughs> right. So this is sort of a unique uh, part of their catalog, considering that is only an hour long. Uh, I guess the DVD release has some other short films on it, but uh, so it's ultra low budget, only an hour long doesn't even have a plot that, that makes any sort of sense, is filled with entirely amateur actors. So I would love to, s- to know the story uh, of how this actually came to be. I've actually reached out to the director because I really want to know, after watching it, exactly how it all came yeah, together. Well, yeah, I, I mean, and the fact that this is that guy's, like, only film. Yeah, and it's really, yeah, it's his only work. My understanding is he actually has a podcast of his own, so maybe we can do a little cross-contamination mm. there. Uh, maybe, or maybe not. But also, uh, another interesting thing about Rock and Roll Space Patrol Action News Go <laughs> is that it's uh, currently available to watch for free, legally, legally. on uh, YouTube, because Troma recently has put 150 of their films to watch on YouTube, completely free, completely legal, uh, and Rock and Roll Space Patrol Action is Go is one of those movies. Yeah, and a, a lot of them, you know, are, are definitely worth, you know, skipping. But uh, but oh, there are, are they, but there are some serious <laughs> gems on there too. Like I mean, like the fact that they put the stabilizer on there. Yeah, that's amazing. It's also it kind of when you kind of go through some of those titles and you see kind of the breadth and depth of that catalog. Mm-hmm. There's lots of really interesting titles, things you just might want to dip into. Now I've been critical of Troma before, and rightfully so. A lot of what they put out is terrible, it's, and even yeah. and even what they put out, even when it's good, sometimes they don't 
give the proper care to, say, the DVD presentations. I mean, their DVD of the Stendhal Syndrome was just awful. Yeah. Um, and, and But they, then again, they did release it, so I guess, uh, and that was before, uh, you know, putting a Dario Argento DVD out would have been something that people would, you know, uh, that the mainstream would kind of get behind. But, uh, but you know, Troma has its limitations, but their catalog is fascinating. It's full of just bizarre titles, some of which you've heard of, but there's still plenty in there that I just never encountered before, including Rock and Roll Space Patrol. Exactly, and that's what drew me to it, or to this one in particular, was because, like, I, like I saw the title, and I'm like, that's utterly amazing. Like, I need, I need to know more about this film, you know, and I figured we should cover this, um, and it's a perfect excuse because neither one of us have to worry about tracking it down or buying it or, you know, any other nefarious schemes to get it, you know, um, it, um, nefarious is maybe not the right word, but still. Nefarious <laughs> <laughs> schemes. Yes, yeah, so we we didn't have to go to our dealer and get yeah. it uh, brought to like, us. I'm going uh, to kill this orphan if you don't give me this movie. Before we jump into the plot, mm. I want <laughs> the user review for this movie, uh, one of them, on IMDb, it comes up as like just the first line of the review, uh-huh. <laughs> and it's, those nerds you beat up in high school made a movie. <laughs> that, that is... <laughs> Amazingly accurate. (laughs) (laughs) It is totally accurate. Um, And even if you, listener, I'm talking to you now, listener, even if you were one of the ones beat up uh, in high school, this uh, this movie is as if you made a movie Mm -hmm. with your friends and you just wanted to pack in a few geeky things and a lot of bizarre material uh, and it didn't have to make any sense and maybe you ran out of participation (laughs) by the end. This is the movie you made. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's ridiculous in a wonderful way. And it, to be honest, even though we liked Ant Farm Dickhole, I think I mean we liked it. We had reservations, but there was a lot we enjoyed about yeah. it. This was a good palate cleanser from. Oh, the without movies. a doubt, without a doubt. I I haven't had like I mean this movie gave me one of the biggest laughs out of any film we've seen to date. And that includes, like, Las Vegas Bloodbath, you know, which right. which does have the biggest laugh. But this one, this one has, at the very least, what might be the <laughs> second biggest laugh. And that's towards, so, towards the end. We'll, we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get into yeah. that. So, so, Rock and Roll Space Patrol, Action Is Go, <laughs> has a very... You get right into how they're going to be telling this story very quickly. Mm-hmm. The, the opening of the film... Uh, it has a bit of a, a wraparound segment where uh, an older gentleman smoking a pipe uh, <laughs> takes takes a novelization or, or a book that this is supposed to be based on the tale that we're about to see off a shelf. Yeah, I always I I always imagine this is sort of like the Princess Bride, where it's like he's right. reading us the story. Right, right, and like there's there's these like old volumes of like War and Peace oh, and the Canterbury yeah, Tale, like Anna Karenina. <laughs> And and it's nuzzled between them in this like cheap paperback, <laughs> and it's just stuck there. So they know what this is all right. about. So he, this gentleman takes it off the shelf, and then we go into the story. As as the story is going to be difficult to explain because uh, you'll see why. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. So it, it's yeah yeah. <laughs> so it starts. So let's get, let's get into it. it. So so basically, it starts off with some really kind of like shitty animation, um, right. kind of in the same vein as uh, as like the animation used in like Ant Farm Dickhole for the Anteater. 
you know, just, <laughs> okay. just bad, like super, imp- you know, superimposed sort of stuff. Um, or like when the Sasquatch at- attacks uh, the yes, car in right. Suburban Sasquatch. Um, you know, and, and it's just this, it's just like this. It's just a car. It's like a Buick. <laughs> it's like an Impala. Yeah, I yeah, I think it's an Impala. Um, just driving around, it's got the words Turbo Jet <laughs> written on the it, side of it. Now, let's make this very clear. It's driving around in space. space. <laughs> With, like, past planets and shit. Uh, <laughs> and, like, a satellite. Uh, and this is a spaceship that is just an Impala. And uh, it, it it sort of just suddenly is heading towards a planet uh, in space sector 219A that is uh, surprisingly similar to Earth. Uh, and it just sort of hits the ground and then it's driving, it's driving around. it's driving on like the ground. And that's, that is, that's how spaceships in this world work. Perfect. They are just cars with uh, turbojet. That is brilliant. <laughs> I love. We we can't afford to make a spaceship for it. What should we do? Oh, we'll just write turbojet on our cars <laughs> and they, on our beat up dented. And cars. they do it on like multiple cars too. It's like actually like I think every <laughs> car that that you see in the film that is obviously part of the film has the words turbojet written on the side of it. It uh, it starts once it gets onto Earth or the Earth equivalent. Outpost, in the movie that Outpost eleven. Movie. Outpost eleven. It. It shows that it's sort of um, otherworldly and science fictiony by <laughs> by showing what like a like a, a water uh, gauge on the side of a building mm-hmm. and and some uh, some storage, storage units. units. <laughs> <laughs> it's like ooh, we're in the future or we're in space or something. <laughs> <laughs> but it's wonderful. Uh, this this is. You know, I, th- I guess if you had to compare the the special effects to something, it's actually I guess a little bit like uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 in that it's very much cobbled together. It's very much you know uh, toy laser guns and uh, like the cheapest intentional junk that they could yeah. find to make to make something look sort of science. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then any anything they do digital, they I mean, it's very clear that they're using the program After Effects. Yeah, you know. they're using Adobe After Effects. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's like I. I mean, I've have I have very little little experience with After Effects myself, but I mean, it's it's the sort of effects that I could probably pull off. Yeah, a lot of them are like particle based effects. Yeah. So they're, they're things that you just <coughs> sort of layer over the image, uh, and there's actually quite a few of them. And there's like lots of laser blasts. Yeah, I was gonna say, and a lot of them are really kind of cool, actually. Yeah, hey, they're cool for these kind yeah, of movies. Yeah, exactly. So, so for what we were looking at, it was pretty cool. Now, we're introduced to our main character. I, I think we'd call him our main char- character, and that is Buck Fiesta. Which is a great name. Like, it's a great name. All the names in this are great. Uh, and he is sort of like, uh, I guess, like a special agent uh, sent... <laughs> Jesus. Well, he's supposed to be some kind of, like, hero type, you know, yeah, like some agent or whatever, but he's just this, you know, he's just a average kind of chubby nerd, you know, glasses, you know. I mean, He's this slubby dude yeah. in a black t-shirt and jeans. I mean, it's someone I can certainly relate to. Uh, but, yeah, I was going to say, he, he looks like a shaved version of us. Yeah, he's a he's like a dorky dude, which is great. Yeah. I wish I wish we had more dorky dudes pretending to be Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say this is fucking Star Wars kid in a movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, though I think he is aware that he looks somewhat ridiculous. At least his movements <laughs> that he does <laughs> seem to suggest that. 
so so Buck Fiesta, uh, he, he <laughs> basically like a steam bucket or like a colander comes out of the side of his car to contact it's uh, a steamer his bosses. Yeah, it's a steamer tray, uh, and contacts the space station from which he gets his orders. Uh, and we learn that Outpost Eleven, which is where he is on Earth, uh, in quotation marks, has been overrun. But they don't know any of the details, and he needs to locate and gain assistance from Red Arrow. Yeah, and and I guess this this outpost had been like colonized by a group. And he's there to find out what happened. Exactly. So, and, and we learned very early on in the film, and I, I have a clip I'm about, about to play for it, that the, the dialogue in this film is, is very weird for the most yes. part. Very stylized. It's very stylized. <laughs> it's, in fact, it's probably the only thing stylized about this film. <laughs> uh, but so here's, so here's uh, Buck checking in. Super Silver Base Alpha, this is Bug Fiesta, laser code 799-085, rubber buggy ball, reporting in over... <laughs> rubber buggy ball. <laughs> I also want to mention that uh, Buck, his car, his car spaceship, also has a supercomputer, a robo-computer <laughs> built into it that is composed of a small sheet of paper with knobs on it <laughs> uh, and a hand wearing a white glove underneath it that when, like, he needs coordinates, it actually turns and right. writes on a piece of paper. <laughs> and, get, and get it right. Get it right. It's a silver glove. It's a silver Played by the director. True. Played by the director, who uh, who plays a number of different <laughs> roles. Uh, <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> but anyway, we have to stop everything we're talking about right now because we get to hear the theme song of Rock and Roll Space Patrol Action is Go. Uh, and while, <laughs> while the theme song plays, Buck Fiesta <laughs> takes a laser gun and is shooting at cows outside <laughs> the window of his car as he drives along. A theme for the movie. <laughs> Right. Yes, let's hear the Here, theme. Here's the theme of the theme of the movie as opposed to the theme for the movie. Mm. Rock and roll, Rock and roll, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I think the director actually did yeah, the Yeah, the director as well. the director and one of the stunt guys did all of the music for the f- we, we should say that the director is Jim Baltus in, in this case, and uh, he has a website which explains what he does and what he's been doing, and he, he's quite the renaissance man, as can be shown with how much he's involved in this movie. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, he, he does everything. Like, I think he wrote it, he directed it, I believe he did the editing, um, he did all the music, uh, I don't know if he did, I mean, I, the, I know the guy who did the music with him was one of the guys who did the fight choreography. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the fight choreography, which we will get to. Uh, we're then uh, after the theme song. Uh, not that I wouldn't mind listening to that. <laughs> let's again. just let's just say he's no Sean Gallimore. <laughs> <laughs> Who could be? Who would be? Um, we are introduced post theme song <laughs> to the uh, antagonist, and that would be Doctor Spider Jones. <laughs> And the way we know that, that, that we're being introduced to the character <laughs> of Dr. Spider-Jones is we're prompted uh, with some text on the screen that says, the evil secret layer of Dr. Spider-Jones. <laughs> That's right. And we, now, if we had to describe what Dr. Spider-Jones looks like... I, uh, he, he, he's like a Jewish Coffin Joe. Yeah, he looks like... That's good. Coffin Joe. He's got the big, bushy beard, and he's very hairy in general, and he's wearing a cape. So, yeah, no, that's a pretty good comparison. Yeah, I mean, the only thing he's missing is the fingernails, but, yeah. 
And his evil secret lair, it shows him open the door, and it's like this ridiculous squeaky sound. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, but we are to understand that he's evil, um, and and we mostly just see him typing on a computer and talking complete nonsense. And looking in his freezer, <laughs> for some reason. And looking in his freezer, and that will... Oddly, come into play later. Yeah, there, there are weird, sh- there's weird shit that happens in this movie that like actually does come into play, and and this is one of them. And yeah, and like it doesn't get explained until the end of the fucking movie. <laughs> and like, there's lots of things. Why is he looking in his freezer? There's lots that uh, is introduced that probably was meant to pay off in some <laughs> way, or at least be brought up again that are entirely forgotten, no. as you will also see. So we go back to Buck Fiesta, who's still driving around. And he uh, suddenly stops his car on dirt with the requisite squealing tires, <laughs> which happens a few times. Uh, and he gets out, and we see that he is outfitted with a secret communicator and a laser gun. In other words, a toy water pistol and, mm-hmm. like, a kitty like, tape recorder. Like a kitty giant tape recorder that he like has the one that even has like the removable microphone with a cord on it that you <laughs> that he pulls that he pulls up to his mouth on several occasions. It's very funny. And his the way that he has like a um, uh, like a, a holder for his um, like a holster yeah. for his laser gun, but it doesn't it fit doesn't into fit it at all. Yeah. <laughs> it just barely goes into so it. So he has to like hold his gun in his holster like when he's walking. It's great. So he's sort of creeping along very gingerly, and there's a part where he gets scared by a cat. <laughs> he like grabs for his communicator. He's like, "Oh my god!" Oh, oh, and then he just oh, <laughs> he just looks around. Uh, but we also learn very quickly that he has a uh, nervous condition uh, because we see his hand shaking very exaggeratedly, um, <laughs> and and he takes out some medication. And this is very interesting. This scene is because. He, he motions to take out medication. We know he's taking something out of his pocket, but we never see what it is. Yeah. Until, until it, it goes to the close-up. Until it goes to the close-up. And uh, we see then it's a, it's a, a, a pill bottle. And I love, uh, and I love when low-budget films like, make their own labels for like, pill bottles. Yes. <laughs> uh, but we know that it, it's, uh, it's for his nervous condition. <laughs> But what's great is that they obviously, in the wide shot, didn't have the pill bottle available because he entirely hides the the fact that he is is trying to put a pill bottle to his mouth by just, like, putting his hands, like, cupping them over his own mouth. But, but yeah, so he takes some pills uh, to to help with his condition, which doesn't ever get brought up again, so don't worry about that. But it does give us one of my favorite moments in the whole movie. Yeah, where he takes takes anti-stress reduction pills that may cause hyperactivity. Right, and, and here's the uh, here's the noise he makes. Let's hear that again. <laughs> oh, it's without a doubt one of the best noises in the film. <laughs> it is a high quality noise, and it's like a close up on his face when he makes it too. It's like <laughs> he's got this goofy look on yeah. his fucking face. <laughs> really? Uh, this uh, this is a very random movie. Things just kind of happen. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of things that just happen, a portal opens <laughs> nearby, and a guy wearing like a uh, uh, like a gi. He's, yeah, he's wearing he's wearing a blue gi, and and I don't know if you noticed or not, but um, a children's uh, plate. Yes. 
In fact, we see over and over again there are these ninja characters. Let's say quotation marks. Ninjas. They're called temporal Ooh, ninjas. Temporal ninjas, and they wear these colored geese and child plates, like a plate for like a child's party, over their faces. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what they do. In this Actually, case, I gotta tell you, it's pretty good use of those plates. I mean, those like. I mean, it's stupid, but <laughs> it works. But it is a, it's a way to differentiate them. It's, it's cheap, but it works, like you yeah. said. And he has this kind of colored ball in his hand, and it's, it's like the, they use special effects to make it sort of rainbow-y. Rainbow, yeah. And then he throws it to knock the laser gun out of Buck Fiesta's hand, and then they fight. And it is not high-quality fighting. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like Some of the ninjas are actually pretty decent. Oh, you can tell that some of them are actually people who are athletic yeah. and have had some sort but, of martial arts But the one training. thing that Buck Fiesta is not is athletic. <laughs> <laughs> though, though, to his credit, most of his fighting involves him at least trying to get to his laser pistol and just shooting around randomly. I love, I love, yeah, there's some scenes later on where he's just shooting <laughs> completely <laughs> at random, and it's hilarious. So they fight... <laughs> in a rather ridiculous fashion, and then we see a long-haired gentleman sort of teleport around where they're fighting. I, I love his teleportation. I mean, and it kind of gives it away. It gives away who it is. Well, like if you pay attention to the teleporting, because mm-hmm. every time he teleports, you know, a red arrow points in the direction that he teleports in. This is, that detail is worthy of Terrence Malick or Stanley Kubrick. It's <laughs> yes, this is Red it's, Arrow. It's Oscar-worthy like detail, thank you. <laughs> it looks like, he looks kind of like Jesus, if you think of Jesus as looking in the way that he is on uh, like those paintings that your grandparents have on their wall. Like the Eche Homo? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he looks just like that. Yeah. No, but he, yeah, he, he got kind of a Jesus-y look about him. And uh, he teleports nearby, and he electrocutes the uh, ninja, uh, and uh, and introduces himself. He's Red Arrow. You know what the best thing about him like doing that electrocution thing is? Is that that wasn't him. Like, the actor who plays Red Arrow. That wasn't his arm. Like, one of the credits <laughs> in the film is... <laughs> is Red Arrow's electric arm. (laughs) (laughs) So it was like one of the guys who plays the other ninja was the same guy who just basically reached his arm in (laughs) and touched the other ninja. (laughs) Well, I'm glad they credited the person. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Now, Red Arrow and Buck Fiesta, uh, they have their kind of introductory meeting and uh, the, the, this dialogue is just kind of the first taste we get of how the dialogue is going to be between the characters. And it is, in this case, Red Arrow speaks in a way that is unfamiliar to Buck. Yeah. Um, and, uh, in fact, it's actually subtitled, even though it is, he's speaking English, he's just talking, Gibberish, making a lot yeah. of weird references. <laughs> but I love that Buck's response is that he says he can communicate back to him by imitating weather patterns <laughs> in his body. <laughs> I could do, like, a high-pressure system. <laughs> in fact, I think we have some of that audio. Yeah, we have the audio of, of Red Arrow's, like, language. Let's hear it. And as much so, the fly reaches quality buzzes. Paper speed? Oak as much? Carter Little. Now... What I can tell you what he was saying there was a joke that's actually done several times in the film. Uh, he's making fun of, of Buck for uh, how large his, uh, 
his uh, communication. communication device is. Yeah, they, people regularly refer to how large the communication device is. Later on, I love his response. He's like, it's, it's standard, standard issue. issue. <laughs> <laughs> but the two, they, the two just can't seem to meet on a communication level, so they, uh, they do things the old-fashioned way, where Red Arrow gives a branch to Buck, and Buck gives, like, a, a stick, stick of gum. gum. <laughs> <laughs> and they come to some sort of common understanding. It's, it's and that's a fish. <laughs> that's right. And after that, they can communicate with no issue at all. It's really ridiculous. The, uh, the moments of exposition in this movie are so strange because they don't always lead anywhere. Mm. <laughs> uh, and and, and it's, it, they seem particularly strange going back over it because we know that. We know that it's not going to lead anywhere. Yeah. And it, it's just more kind of time being taken up by some of this really strange dialogue. Because what we get next are Red Arrow and Buck kind of sitting next to a fire. Uh, what's weird about this fire is that it's not fire. It's kind of superimposed fire. I don't know why they couldn't just build a fire. Well, they probably couldn't, you know. They, pro- they, pr- they probably didn't want to get in trouble for creating a fire. Uh, yeah, because it looked like they were getting permits for what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know what I mean. Like, they probably didn't want to draw attention to the fact that they were, sh- you know, guerrilla shooting a film, you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair enough, though. It's not generally hard to find a place where you can just light a fire for a bit. True. Um, so they're sitting around this really unconvincing fire, <laughs> and they're kind of talking about what happened to Outpost 1. We should talk about uh, how unconvincing that fire is, because, like, we said it's a superimposed, but really what it looks like is, like, it's so bad, it just looks like there are two, like, lighters. <laughs> yeah, that's what it looks like. It looks like someone has put two lighters up near the front of the camera <laughs> to look like that. It's on the pieces of wood that are next uh, to it. Oh, it's really ridiculous. But my favorite part of the scene is that they're chatting and they're talking about what happened to Outpost 1 and Buck <laughs> brings like a bottle up to his mouth and it's just full of branches. Yeah, it's, it's just full of grass. Yeah, it's just full of grass, that's right. He just kind of eats the grass and that's fine for some reason. Um, oh, yes, yeah, so we find out we find out from Red, from Red Arrow that it was a, uh, a temporal ninja that had attacked Buck <laughs> and he says something really ridiculous like like he, like you there's a lot of moments in this movie where they where they overemphasize what they're what they're trying to say <laughs> you know and this is one of those this is one of those great moments so let me, let me just play this real quick he'll be back damn it <laughs> he'll be back damn it Damn it! Yeah, their their uh, speech patterns are a little bit strange. Also, another Red another Ar- trend in the film too, and as you'll notice with that one, it was um, uh, the use of very loud music over, yeah. over dialogue. So there are there, there there was there was a lot of funny lines that I wanted to grab f- from this, but uh, ultimately didn't because and mo- mostly from there, there's a character who who we're gonna meet soon um, who's garbles his lines so bad sometimes and then they add the loud music over top of it that you just you cannot understand a fucking word he says there's a lot of ADR on this too uh, particularly with Buck I mean he says I mean a lot of his stuff is just layered over and a lot of it just grunts and groans too which actually makes it a little bit more amusing but you're right that character that you're referring to we'll, we'll point it out because there's one line in particular that I know was hilarious but I couldn't even quote it because there were words in it I couldn't make it yeah so we get a general sense of what's been going on here. Um, despite the fact that Red Arrow likes to talk in like these long monologues, uh, he says something about space poultry and their enigmatic space rays. Oh, I don't know. Really what he's weird. Talking. Yeah. 
But the general idea we get is that gelatinous parasites who look like people have come to Outpost 1 and have built cold, heartless organizations. So uh, yeah, it's supposed to be... I'm thankful that they didn't go too far into this and make it sort of really stupid and preachy. I know, right? But we're, it did seem like it was going in that direction at this point, but it doesn't. It doesn't go there at yeah. all. We, all. we also hear references to something called the Miner's March. Um and and we'll get into that in a little bit <laughs> because because it's brought up again and again but we'll we'll get back to that uh, it's so like brought up but never fucking explained it, it's 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 explained in the way in a way that it's not explained oh, okay, as well. as will become clear a little bit sure. later uh, and now uh, Red Arrow survives, he says, as a teleporter. And he got those abilities after... He says... May, you're going to have to elaborate on this a little bit. He if says I he can. ate too much crackle on a dare and then drank soda pop. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I was hoping you would know, because I'm like, I don't know what the hell that is. I mean, I thought, you know, we're both thinking Pop Rocks, I guess, but crackle? Maybe the, maybe they didn't want to use a real brand or something? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what... I, I, was, gonna say, I mean, I, I was assuming Pop Rocks. Th- this some of the dialogue in this is very much of, uh, you know, drunken friends get together and come up with ridiculous things, but then they just say it, yeah. right? Uh, th- th- it doesn't necessarily have to make any sense, especially when we find out what Spider Jones' backstory is. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and like, like Buck, ha- like a lot of the shit he says, it's just really weird and makes no sense. And he was talking about something about how like. How like you know you like he was explaining life before the gelatinous blobs came and it's and it was like all these like mundane like suburban things and then he was like and then building great monument statues uh, and graphic <laughs> naked statues of great people <laughs> it's like what are you talking about and then like yeah. he said like two or three more things and they were just like normal mundane you know like mowing your lawn and stuff like that you know. <laughs> Uh, so the the, the two uh, Buck and Sp- and uh, sorry Buck and uh, Red Arrow they're attacked by some more ninjas yeah, th- in this case temporal and like when the, the when the fight starts like like you got Red Arrow who's supposed uh, he's supposed to be a teleporter you know he's supposed to be sort of like I, I, I don't want to use the term mystic but he's supposed to be like sort of like spiritual you know sure and uh, and like he totally doesn't realize that they're being attacked by a ninja and here's his, no. here's his reaction to when the fight for when the fight starts. Now, I don't know if you heard that or not, because it is really quick, but he goes, what's that noise? <laughs> the guy's, like, right the guy's, the guy's standing right behind him, he goes, what's that noise? Right as he's getting punched in the head. <laughs> like, it, he seems to be saying it as he's getting punched. Yeah, yeah, it's like, what's that? <laughs> uh, we do discover a little bit about what these temporal ninjas are and where they come from, because as they're fighting, we see... Uh, Spider Jones, Doctor Spider Jones, actually creating these ninjas uh, with Play-Doh <laughs> or molding clay, but it's Play-Doh. Yeah, yeah, let's, yeah. let's face it. <laughs> and so he's creating the ninjas as they're fighting. Uh, and we learn a little bit later that he actually bakes the ninjas <laughs> after making them in like an oven, which then sends them to fight. Yeah, and sometimes he can summon them forth from the oven. Uh, I think Doctor, the actor who plays Doctor Spider Jones might be the worst actor in the movie, but he gets so many great lines and he delivers them perfectly because he he's awful. He's a terrible but actor, so but he's crazy. great at one-liners. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I think I think like we have this scene where he where this next scene is basically like yes. you know we we follow around Spider Jones for a little while and he ends up going to like a convenience store <laughs> and like buying a bunch of magazines. And pulling out all of the inserts, like the subscription right. inserts, 
and uh, and he staples them all together. And right as a guy was walking, right as a guy who might I add is also the director, uh, is <laughs> is walking by, he says to him this: "You should know the usefulness of a sturdy staple. I should. <laughs> you should know the usefulness." Of a sturdy stapler. Now, the funniest thing about that is that stapler didn't look sturdy as sturdy at all. <laughs> it was just cheapo little, like, purple stapler. <laughs> that scene is crazy. He takes these magazines, he just pulls out the inserts, and he's like, has a highlighter, and he's circling stuff, and he just staples them together. Yeah, and then he just... What he, is happening? And he just throws... And everything else, like, he either throws on the floor or just leaves there. <laughs> You know, and then and then and then we get the Spider Jones song. He gets his he gets his own song, and he doesn't know what rock and roll is for. Rock and roll is for. I mean, why is this movie even called Rock and Roll Space Patrol? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I mean, like, obviously the entire soundtrack is all done in rock and roll sort of yeah, theme song. Yeah, I guess. You know, okay. but, but it doesn't relate to any of the characters. The, char- the characters aren't rock and rollers. It's just the, the film rock and rolls, you know? What's great is that while that song is playing, we see him start to cut these insert cards apart and paste them to a piece of paper, yeah. but but he's not making a message or anything, he's just putting random pieces on the paper. Well, it's not random, uh, he's cutting he's cutting out, like, logos, logos and things, right? yeah, and, and, like, glue sticking them to the pieces of paper. But there's no meaning here, yeah. it's just him being ridiculous, but I love how he ends things by saying, my plans are falling into place, <laughs> yes. <laughs> sure. <laughs> And next, we go back to Buck and Red Arrow, and they're they're both stretching because they're preparing. And the, the scene like battle. opens up with a freaking great line. Yeah. <laughs> Today is the day we're going to rock it. <laughs> sure about that? Damn sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's let's do it. And what do they do when he says let's do it? Uh, they go to Wendy's. Yeah, they <laughs> their lunch. Yeah, they just go to Wendy's. <laughs> and it just shows them drive up to the drive-through. Uh, <laughs> I also love that whenever they show the car driving along, it's always driving on the exact same street. <laughs> Uh, Isn't there some sort of line where, while he's ordering at Wendy's, where like Red Arrow is saying he's gonna he's gonna keep all that? For yeah, yeah, because because like Buck orders like three meals or something like that, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and and meanwhile, Red Arrow's in the back. He's like, "Hey, can I get a Brontosaurus burger?" <laughs> you know, and he's like, "He's gonna he's gonna eat all of that in front of me, and I'm really hungry." <laughs> This is a ridiculous movie. Mode. <laughs> well, thank- thankfully they get some really they get some really special orders. Uh, it's a priority pony double dutch. That's whatever right. that means. Um, my my favorite like my favorite part priority. about that one is is that the hand you know that that takes down all the notes. Uh, the the robo pewter. <laughs> um, <laughs> he writes he writes on the bottom of it. He goes ETA showtime. <laughs> <laughs> So they they uh, contact the Super Silver Base Alpha to get their next uh, kind of uh, orders. Yeah. 
And they're told that they need to rendezvous, ra- rendezvous with Agent Unknown. And this is the character you were referring to just a moment ago. Yeah, he's the one who mumbles half of his lines. And, and really, I think he would have had the funniest line in the film if you could have understood what he said. He... <laughs> they meet with him in the middle of a field. But uh, because they want more privacy, he creates a lasso lasso garage matrix. Well, here, here before we get into the lasso garage matrix, I just want I want to play you some of his like weird jibber jabber. <laughs> and now the light grows dim as the masses prepare for another miters march. Miters march. Answers to okay, questions must be spoken. Actions must follow, and with haste. But above all. Do not forgo and do not let that this be the end of that. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a Miter's March. So he did refer to it, and we hear it time and time again. Yeah, and it's just like, fuck, you know, and then, but yeah, you're right. He he creates uh, what he calls a, uh, yeah, a a lasso garage matrix so they won't Mm -hmm. be disturbed and nobody can listen in on them. And then he says something about it looking... Yeah, so to those he goes to those outside will appear to be a paper mache sculpture of something. something. But the paper mache, and I was thinking that what he said would have been really funny. But for, it yes. just looks like a. I mean, it's a paper mache wrestler. Yeah, it's a wrestler. It looks like Hulk Hogan or someone like that. But he didn't say Hulk Hogan. I know that and he definitely doesn't say Hulk Hogan. And I'm just like, I don't know who this is supposed to be. But, but I love the idea that that because they want to hide themselves to just onlookers, they'll just look to be a paper mache sculpture <laughs> of this wrestling. Makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> so we find we find out that Doctor Spider Jones is actually Doctor Lloyd Plaster, uh, who and was one of the original settlers. Yeah, and uh, to which I believe it's Buck has a really ridiculous like Buck's completely confused the entire time they're talking. So he has <laughs> this really great line. Who is he? Who is he? <laughs> Just confused. He's particularly confused also when Red Arrow starts talking. Uh, and, I mean, he's just, like you said, he's confused in general. And he actually gets a little upset about it as well. Yeah. Uh, as you have an extra sound clip, Mo, that, that refers to his response to some of this kind of odd knowledge. Mm. Is that this one now? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Are you freaking kidding me or something? Because if you are, we're gonna have to step! (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna have to step! Yeah, so we learn, uh, yeah, lots of exposition. Spider Jones used to be called Dr. Lloyd Plaster, was one of the original settlers. Uh, His story of how he became, I guess, evil is very, very bizarre. Apparently, Red Arrow knew him then because he was one of the original settlers as well and knew him as, like, Doctor Number 3 or Lloyd Plaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he gives a list of the things that he was in charge of uh, for the settlement, uh, the Dr. Plaster. It was like, it's like laser chemistry, friendship sharing. Yeah, friendship <laughs> sharing, which I thought, like, uh, was a great line. Yeah, but yeah, uh, just really weird shit. And then, and then he says this. One hell of a dancer. I remember. <laughs> we were just relaxing after a hard day of settling. You know, doing it like we do. Just doing it like we do. Well, I want to pause for a second because I, I talked over the line where he goes, just, you know, just hanging out, keeping it on the down low. <laughs> Living it up on the down <laughs> low. <laughs> down low. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole lot of kids. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was fun. fun. 
Yeah. Fun. So we learn that a wa- that he gets high. Apparently, the doctor does on waxy gas, whatever the fuck that is. Huh. Uh, and they're dancing around a fire. In fact, we learn later that he was trying to moonwalk around this fire, uh, and he fell. I guess he tripped and fell, and hit his head, and it rearranged his brain in a way that makes him obsessed with icebox fusion. Mm-hmm. And after that, Red Arrow never saw him again. But the understanding is that the combination of the waxy gas and the head trauma rearranged his brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, so they're talking about him, and they say this. And I, 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 this is actually one of, my, one of my favorite lines in the film. Maniacal? Pussycat? It's all the same when the bad goes down. It's got to be stopped. Think of the kids. <laughs> Just nonsense. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, like, like that line is very reminiscent of like that uh, uh, the delivery, at least, of that line early in Ant Farm Dickel, where he goes, he goes, you know, they've ruined the sanctity of this forest. How can I continue to to enjoy it here after what happened to my cupcake? <laughs> you know, think wow, of the kid. Really remember that line? Very good. I know, right? So we also get a little insight now into the temporal ninja baking machine, which is where Spider Jones actually bakes the ninjas that he sends through uh, the temporal uh, wormhole. Uh, but I love this bar part. This is probably this is probably one of the great like the, one of the best like uh, props, yeah, prop gags and and whatnot. Like where he's just going around his house like hitting buttons on stuff, and it's all just like <laughs> kitchen appliances or like amplifiers and stuff. Yeah, one of them is like a guitar pedal that he's just turning the just turning the on. knob. <laughs> But it's all supposed to be part of this ninja baking <laughs> machine, which he's baking Play-Doh in. <laughs> yeah, and, and singing uh, to himself. Now, things are about to get weird. <laughs> Na- now? <laughs> You're trying to tell me that things aren't already weird? Now, things are about to get particularly weird. We, we get Buck and Red Arrow driving around and just talking nonsense. Wait, I just want to play the, the thing of him si- singing. Okay. Because I got a kick out of it. Row, row, row your <laughs> Row, row. That was Spider Jones, right? That was Spider there, Jones, huh? yeah. Row yeah, your yeah. boat. What a bizarre delivery. Yeah, exactly. Buck and, Buck and Red Arrow are driving around, and uh, Red Arrow opens up the glove compartment, and there are these, like, arcade sticks. And there's a... Fairly yeah, because they think they're I mean, being watched or something. And he said something yeah. really weird about like uh, about the time he interrupted his sister's slumber party. Yeah, it's just a lot of nonsense is what's being. Yeah, said. basically, it's like we're just we need we need to fill up time. Just riff, you know. <laughs> but but he's using these these. Uh, they look like, like ar- They look like like Atari arcade sticks. Controllers, yeah. yeah, exactly. And he's using them to manipulate a laser, which comes out of the side of the car and just shoots kind of randomly. It <laughs> just shoots all over Actually, the place. Actually, that laser coming out of the side of the car is one of the best digital effects in the film. It, uh, that and the one at the beginning of that that sort of steam thing. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Like, any anytime, anytime the hole opens up and that steam tray comes out... Uh, I thought it was impressive. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> impressive, considering. <laughs> <laughs> so Impressive, this comparatively. Is just, yeah, this is just a bizarre sequence of him shooting the this laser. I guess they just wanted to use the effect that they had. Man, and they use it, because <laughs> you see this scene at least two more times. Yeah, at least two more times. So th- they're heading for Spider Jones's lair. 
and uh, and they they pull up in front of it, and again they squeal tires on dirt. Yeah. <laughs> and, Don't you? And, we get, <laughs> and they see the the turbo jet of another agent out in front. Yeah, what they say his name Broncos was it's like um. Uh, Bronco, Bronco, Bronco Cedar, Cedar or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but we also get to see Spider Jones is aware that they've arrived, and he keeps referring to them as grapes. He, I he love that he calls so them grapes. Yeah, he refers to them as grapes. That's what yeah. <laughs> so he wants to set up a trap for them, and he needs like the perfect like fucking like mood music or something. And this is one of the. This is actually. This is actually probably the the one of the bigger. Laughs. Uh, I love this. I really yeah. Love. Like he, he like he holds up. Like they cut to him in front of a record player, and he's holding up uh, uh, some records. And the one on the front is the WrestleMania album. Yeah, and I'm like, the the I'm like, holy shit! You know, like clearly somebody in the production of this film had that album and just wanted to show off that they had it. <laughs> you know, because that's the sort of thing I would do. Like I would, mm-hmm. I would. Find a way to put records into a film so I could show off my weird record collection. And he ends up, uh, he, he doesn't pick that vinyl album. No, 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 yeah, there's it. some weird one about, about like, being in an, in an emergency, uh, but he doesn't yeah. pick it because he doesn't want them to be rescued. And he ends up, he <laughs> ends up picking an album called How to Strip for Your Husband. Yeah, like a real vinyl weird album. Yeah, uh, but obviously the music that starts playing is not the music from the <laughs> album. It's just, this, it's just so weird. It's like, have you ever heard any of the 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 like the organ music of like Anton Lavey? Of course. So I'm at, so to me it sounded like it sounded like Anton Lavey organ music, but digital. Yeah, there's a lot of really weird, quirky music yeah, that yeah, yeah. played in this. And weird, like, sound effects, like, Space Age type 60s sound effects. Yeah, so this apparently sends a, you know, I don't know if this is what sends the trap out or if there just happens to be a trap set <laughs> for them. Um, and the trap basically looks like a fucking pogo ball on, yeah. on like, an RC, you know, wheels. I'm not even sure that it's actually there in front of them. I don't, I don't no, think No, it could it have is. been all entirely done in, ast- in After Effects, but... Um, but they shoot it. It poses no problem to them whatsoever. They shoot it once. It blows <laughs> up. I like what he says after he shoots it too. It's kind of it's kind of hard. To, it's, the the uh, red arrow says thanks, and Buck goes no problem. Happens every day. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't catch it the so, first time, but I did catch it the third. So yeah, the third time, and you, you'll understand what that's all about in a second. We go back to Spider, and he's talking to two of his ninjas. Uh, but the weird thing is, these ninjas have been sort of. Super, he's actually been superimposed over them, so they're in the room, but he isn't actually in the room yeah, with yeah. them. The actor isn't. So he's pointing at them, and he's saying something like, you worthless fools, you're worse than those grapes. But he's pointing nowhere near where they actually are on the screen. <laughs> it looks very weird, very bizarre. Yeah, he says something, he says something about them like winning it at any cost, you know, even if it involves cheating. Like, yeah. of course it would involve cheating. I mean, <laughs> you're the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so they find a keypad outside. Red Arrow and Buck find a keypad to a door, and there's a lengthy sequence of, of Red Arrow trying to come up with what the code is, and this is all, it's all ADR audio, yeah. and it's ridiculous. And he, <laughs> he particularly, yeah, and he fails, and, I'm sorry, go yeah, ahead. He fails over what you were saying. Oh no! Just that that uh, Buck gets really upset, and he like, pulls out his laser. Yeah, he wants to shoot the door down, but Red Arrow won't let him, and they they end up sneaking around to another door and and, fi- and getting in that way. 
Yes, exactly. Uh, in fact, they, they, they do, I think. Don't they blast? Yeah, they both blast. Yeah, they end up blasting the other door. So why they couldn't blast that first door <laughs> know, is right? beyond me. <laughs> I love, uh, when they finally confront uh, Dr. Spider-Jones... <laughs> you must be Buck Fiesta! Your haughty swagger and enormously large communicator gives you away. <laughs> and that's when he says, standard issue. Standard issue. <laughs> I also love what he says about the Red Arrow when he first sees him. He goes, it's been, what, many several times all strung together? <laughs> no, see, he does that the second time. Their second time through. He doesn't say that the first time. He says okay. that the second time. How weird. I know. And, and remember, like, uh, like uh, this. there's a really funny story about this part of the film in particular. Uh, we should explain that at this, yes. at this point in the film, uh, the, uh, the, the Spider-Jones, or whatever, Spider-Jones, yeah, uh, yeah, pulls something out of his freezer at this point. We finally get to see what was in the freezer. And it's really great because it's obviously been frozen into the freezer, and he pulls on it too hard, and it and the ice breaks and it ends up flying <laughs> out of the freezer, <laughs> you know. And he comes out; it's just some like musical device or something, you know. And it's supposed to be the ice box fusion thing, right? It gives him unlimited. Yeah, and he ends up he ends up sending, uh, he ends up sending um, Buck and Red back in time, so to speak, uh, to about. I guess it would be maybe like ten minutes or so previous in the film, um, and so the se- so so we get to watch like you remember all those things we just described. Well, we get to watch them all again, and it's not okay. new footage. It's them. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you there for a second, sure, though, because a that is not how I interpreted what is happening. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, how did you interpret it? I will tell you in a second. B, I just want to mention first that uh, that Red Arrow tries to explain that that they might be able to relate to Spider Jones in some way by telling a story about a time where he got a splinter in his finger. Yeah. And and Doctor Spider Jones uh, at the time he was that other name I can't remember plaster or whatever. Yeah. Uh, he 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 went over to him and said that he remembered a time when he also got <laughs> got a, a splinter in his finger. And since they were able to relate on that level, then perhaps they can relate relate now. <laughs> But he gets when he reaches out his hand to him, the doctor actually spits in it. Yeah. Um, but no, I did not uh, interpret this as them going back in time. Uh, and but is that what do you think? That's that what I interpreted it as because they because they go through the same exact events again. Yeah, they do. They go through the exact events again. It basically is a summary of the last like fifteen twenty minutes of the movie, all played again in little clips, and it brings them right back up to the moment. That they were at. Yeah, they, well, they play the last... Well, let's say they, ta- they take the last 15 minutes and replay it again so it only lasts, like, nine minutes. You know, but it's still a ridiculous amount of, amount of footage to watch a second time through. Right. <laughs> and it's all of, all of the major beats that we just got finished talking about. They do them all again. Exactly, including, like, the shooting of the security device yeah. and all that. Um. And when they confront Spider Jones again, uh, it just kind of continues on. He, he calls out some ninjas, right? Uh, yeah. The second time, the second time round, um, you know, Buck won't let Red tell the story about the splinter, and he just starts right. he just starts blasting shit, and a huge fight breaks out. <laughs> yeah, but he, <laughs> Doctor Spider Jones has a has a great line during this as well. Um, I think you might have it. Oh. 
no, this isn't Spider's line. This is Buck. Okay. Buck. This is Buck's Okay, line. yeah, that's right. Buck has yeah, a line. And, and it is a really great line, so I will play it. You gonna try and roll me? Find the bowling alley. He just shoots his laser all over the goddamn. It's probably Buck's best delivered line, but yeah, it's like you try to roll me, find a bowling alley. <laughs> this is rock and roll, space patrol, and build your past too. All these ninjas start coming out, and Spider Jones <laughs> runs away. He goes, they said I was insane, but insane I was not. <laughs> but, but Spider Jones gets into the Well, Spider, Spider has a really great reaction to that line. He goes, Nads. <laughs> he goes, Nads. So he runs out into the turbo car and takes off, uh. while Buck and Red Arrow, they basically get taken out. They get captured by, uh, by these ninjas. Yeah. Uh, and then suddenly we're back in the car again, <sighs> and it it goes back. Thankfully, this time around though, they they drive around and it just sort of fades to black. There's a song though. There's a great song about being a hero and how how important it is oh, to be yeah, a hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now here is what I interpreted hap- happened, and m- maybe you can correct me on this. I think this is worthy of discussion. Probably. I think I think a lot of the things between now and the end of the film is worthy of discussion. Because <laughs> what we get next is it goes back to the framing story, right from the beginning, where the guy is smoking a pipe, and he puts down the book of, of Rock and Roll Space Patrol, uh, and he starts doing basically a monologue, uh, explaining some of what... I mean, this is the end of the movie, so this is it. This is all we're going to get. He goes on a, a big... Uh, explanation. But there's still like 10 or 12 minutes left here. It's not even yes. like... You know, and that, that was the part that weirded me out. Because like normally when you get this sort of like post-log, you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, a wraparound, there's only like three or four minutes left to the actual sure. film, you know? No, there's there's like... And this is a 60-minute movie, Yeah, there's so. like nine minutes left to this film. So, I mean, we're talking about like, you know, a sixth of the film... Is this very is weird? This, that's right. So, so what my interpretation is, because he explains it slightly like this, is that while they were heading to Spider Jones' lair, they looked into the future, which is what we saw them getting captured. Mm. And when they saw that they would be defeated, he, and this is what the guy says, they decided to shirk their duties and just shoot lasers at cows instead. And that's how their story ends. Yeah. Yeah, the last footage we see of them is of a car driving by with one of the toy lasers sticking out the window. and Just shooting, shoot, at, at, shooting at stuff. Now, I mean, like, I think I might have misheard them. I heard cats. But either way, you know, cows, That's cats, and cows are still just as ridiculous. Um, but he does have this really great line about, uh, uh, about how... Uh, like, he starts talking about, like, what's a good story. Yes. And he, Let's hear and this. he says this. A great story is an invisible friend that speaks to you like millions of chirping crickets on a sultry summer's night, or the gentle swishing of waves of ripe golden wheat whispering sweetly in a, in a field, field of dreams. dreams. <laughs> 
I also love that after he explains that they just decided to shirk their duties, and he's saying it as a positive, right? Yeah. They, they thought they'd be defeated. They decided to shirk their duties and just shoot lasers at cows or whatever. Uh, <laughs> he says, sometimes the best way to not deal with a problem is to avoid it altogether. <laughs> well, I have, I have that, I have that audio clip, but we're forgetting, like, like he goes on this whole, like, oh, it's a long, tangent. it's a real long, weird thing. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll play that that line here. This, this is what he says. You know, sometimes the best way not to deal with a problem is to avoid it altogether. <laughs> it makes no sense. It totally it makes no, sense. no sense at all. You know, but uh, but he goes on this long thing. I mean, really long thing about like love. Yeah, love is what he. And the love about. one gets really fucking weird. But my favorite line, and this is the biggest laugh for me in the film, um, and the second biggest laugh of the show is uh, you know that we've done that we've done so far. I want to play this. This this is such a great fucking line. Love binds us in its soft velvety chains, and it wraps its hairy arms around us. And tells us we have to keep it a secret because no one else can understand. <laughs> I mean, a lot of these lines are hilarious. I mean, this is this is really the best part of the movie. Yeah, exactly. It's like, like I, I was so weirded out, like when when everything faded to black and they just went back to the guy, and there was so much time left. But he kills it at the end of the movie. It's so uh-huh. it's so insane, but so funny. You know, like, just him talking about, like, love and, like, you know, and, and what a good story is and, and all this other shit. And it's just, like, it goes on and on and on, but it just, it never gets boring. It's it's funny the entire way through. I love what he says. That he goes, I could say that I have read several or even a multitude of books in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, you go, you go, most devoid of footnotes. Yeah, and he starts talking. He starts talking about like dang- dangling participles and how like they're dangling in the wind. And he just and as he's talking, the film ends. It ends halfway, like in the middle of a it sentence. Ends as mid he's explaining sentence. how it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's great because right at the end, he goes, he goes, "What does the future hold for Outpost Eleven and our interplanetary friends? What is the mind Minders March? Is that what it was? Yeah. What is the Minders March? Because it Minders. never gets explained. And just as he starts to talk about it, it just ends. It just, ends. It just cuts him off. It's so great. I, I like. I like. I was so taken aback by how the movie actually ended that. Um, that as I was like, I just started laughing. Like it was like a weird sort of like giddy kind of. Uh, you know, hysteria. <laughs> it was just so ridiculous. So insane and so unexpected that I just I couldn't help but just giggle. It's the kind of ballsiness that comes out of necessity. Yeah, because there, there was obviously something. This is obviously supposed to be longer. There was obviously supposed to be more plot that was to occur, and they had to come up with something because I don't know, maybe an actor dropped out or something. I'll tell you one. A little possible hint to what was supposed to happen in the movie is that if you look on the IMDb page mm. and and the cover of the DVD, there's a woman in the movie, which there isn't in the movie we watched. Yeah. Uh, and there's a woman credited uh, as Buck Fiesta. And in fact, um, Chris Stewart, who plays the Buck Fiesta in the version we saw, is credited on IMDb as Buck Fiesta Mark, Mark II. II. Yeah. So there may have been a whole other character that was supposed to be in this movie who decided that, I don't know, I mean... 
again, we need to get the story about what happened here because this movie ends in the most insane way. I mean, it's never, it's always kind of goofy, yeah. but you always feel like it's heading towards a resolution of some sort. And then, it, and then, it, and then nothing. <laughs> it double backs and then just cuts off entirely just to reach the hour mark. And it and it fails. It doesn't even make the. It doesn't even hit the hour mark. It's it it's beautiful. Yeah, and then the, and then the crazy part is, as I'm sitting there thinking about this movie, like I'm like falling in love with it. I'm like, this movie is so bonkers and nuts that I'm like, I can't do anything but love it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh man, I don't know. It's. I, it's very refreshing to see a movie that kind of crashes and burns, but also makes it into a kind of plus. It's actually, uh, it makes the movie better. Yeah, it was a good way. thing that this movie, like, died midstream. You know, <laughs> like, like the movie itself is sort of like the end of the movie that they ended up using. Like, it kind of dies mid-sentence and credits roll, you know? <laughs> Uh, I did love the one I, thing, speaking of the credits, there was the one thing mm-hmm. I really loved in the credits where it said, any similarities uh, to real events is totally sweet and radical and you should tell me all about it. <laughs> <laughs> and they also mentioned that there were no, no cows. cows yeah. <laughs> which, which gives credence to the idea that it was cows that they were shooting Fine. in. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so uh, that's, uh, that's the entire 60-minute <laughs> long, not quite movie, Rock and Roll Space Patrol action is go. And there was action, and it went. <laughs> and it went. Yeah, I mean, and there was rock and roll. I mean, and they do make reference to the rock and roll Space Patrol, although, like, it's only referenced rock and roll once. Space Patrol. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, he does say that. He actually calls them the rock and roll Space yeah. Patrol. Uh, the idea that a movie that is it seems like half completed that it got th- that level of distribution it tickles me in ways that I haven't been tickled since uh, Boy Scouts <laughs> <laughs> oh that's gorgeous <laughs> so yeah you can watch Rock and Roll Space Patrol Action is Go right now on YouTube it li- it's linked up on our Facebook page yeah uh, what's it, what is our Facebook page Oh, it's Facebook.com. <laughs> I had to think about it for a second. Uh, Facebook.com backslash no budget nightmares. No spaces. No spaces. That's right. So check us out on Facebook. at And, and there's a lot of people who are checking us out. Yeah, we've got uh, a, we made a, a, we a ton, of, ton of likes in the last couple of weeks. We, uh, we made a little push. Really, our only push ever. And it was... Massively successful. Yeah, I think we went from like 170 to like 220 in like a week. Yeah, I don't know. Ant Farm Dickhole was helpful. Ant Farm uh, Dickhole did help. That was sort of the the impetus to us getting a ton of. Uh, <laughs> But, of course, there's many other ways to get in contact with us. Uh, uh, they could see us. I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to do it, Mo. I'm going to tell them how to contact do us it. on Twitter if they want to. So if they want to contact us on Twitter, then they could check us out by looking at twitter.com slash, or they could do a search for our names. You are at drunk on VHS, all one word. And you are at Douglas underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. No, no, it's Doug underscore Tilly. Oh, Doug Jesus underscore Tilly. <laughs> I, the, my one chance and I screw it up. Oh, God. It's Yes, it's Doug <laughs> underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. E-Y. And people fuck that up all the time, so I have to bring it up. Jesus Christ, <laughs> One job. 
You could also, though you're probably not going to want to, uh, you could also email us at a numerous email addresses. Uh, I can't remember what they are. Uh, I think one of them is, well, you tell us what they are. Snowbudgetnightmares at dailygrindhouse.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if they want to do like the cool kids, which nobody else does, uh, they could do it to uh, nobudgetnightmaresdg at gmail.com. So we, you got the Gmail option, you got the Daily Grindhouse option. You can read what I write over at Daily Grindhouse. You can uh, check out Mo's other podcast. W- what other podcasts have you been on recently, Mo? Uh, well, I w- oh, <laughs> that's not true. I, I was about to say nothing, but that's not true. I've been, I've been on two actually. Um, <laughs> I was like not this week, but last week's episode of After Movie Diner. Um, mm-hmm. I believe it was episode. Here, I can look that up real fast. Uh, episode... I won't draw attention to it. Uh, episode 52 <laughs> is the Tom Waits episode. We spent a very oh, long right. time talking about Tom Waits' music, uh, films. We spent specifically talking... Uh, the two movies we went into depth on were uh, Down by Law and Risk Cutters, a love story. So definitely yeah, listen Down to Down by that. Law is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, actually one of the very few times where I get to you know spend some time uh, and articulate my <laughs> my feelings about films. <laughs> Normally, I'm just like dick joke here, you know. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I mean, those are movies that are pretty serious. I yeah, mean, yeah, exactly. Fun. We had a very serious, yeah. you know, uh, discussion about uh, a subject that both John and I are very passionate about. Uh, Roberto Benigni. And then I also, <laughs> and then on the opposite side of the spectrum, I was. Uh, <laughs> I it, it hasn't gone up yet. I think it's going to go up the weekend after this posts. Is uh, I'm, I'm on. You, you know, you had your chance on Mike and Ike, um, and now I get my chance. And I got to tell you, I'm I'm dying to hear how the, how the final edit on this one goes because it was so much fun talking to Ike. And uh, you know, I mean, I got to do a uh, I, I got to do a Ultimate Warrior impression. Oh, excellent! Um, yeah, we did. We do talk about uh, old school wrestling pretty, pretty in detail. Um, you know, and, and yeah, I had a, I had a lot, I had a lot of fun with it. It was, I mean, I had a great time on on that. Uh, yeah, I think podcast. I think some of the stuff you said is a little more like poignant. <laughs> my my, <laughs> my stuff's mostly just like you know ridiculous jokes and and talking about wrestlers and butts and stuff. Well, they were, they were giving me an opportunity to talk about some good movies, yeah. uh, which I, I really appreciated that. But no, I had a great time. You know, it should be noted as well, since we're talking about the Mike and Ike show, that uh, they actually watched Rock and Roll Space Patrol Action Is Go before we did. I think just... And they I, don't know if, I don't know if Mike did. I know Ike did. Okay, I, I guess at least one of them yeah. did. And they hated it. Yeah, Ike hated it. <laughs> But uh, but they were wrong to hate it. So, no, they're uh, I mean, really wrong. <laughs> you know, no no offense, no offense. You know, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but in this particular case, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, this but, movie was you know, hilarious. We still, we still love them for creating yeah. our uh, our theme songs and giving us the opportunity. Yeah, to exactly, exactly. I, I do enjoy being able to talk every now and again. You know, to somebody else. <laughs> I also recently uh, I was on the Evil Episodes podcast. I, I don't think it's dropped yet. I'm a little out of sorts because uh, because I'm in Newfoundland because I'm a little cut off from things at the moment. I'm on an island, people, so uh, you know I I expect to be attacked by giant bubbles any moment now. Um, <laughs> be seeing you. 
<laughs> but that should be dropping fairly soon. I get to talk about 1989's uh, two films from 1989 uh, that both have a similar theme of people being electrocuted uh, in the electric chair, and they come back in some sort of killer electrical form. And that would be I was gonna say, so Shocker and, and what? Shocker and um, and the horror show, which is also known as House Three. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, James. yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're very similarly themed, but one is significantly better than the other. I don't want to give too much away, but it's shocker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I should, uh, I usually, we usually mention at this time, uh, as a nice kind of um, relief for the both of us, we ask about what movies we've seen recently that are good. Let me ask you first, Mo, because I have a little bit to say about this. All right, well, I'll make it quick then. Um, let's see. What did I watch? Um, oh, I, I just finished before we started recording uh, this. I don't, are you familiar with the movie Roadie? Ro- of course, with uh, Milo. Yeah, I, I just watched it for the first time uh, just just now before we re- before we started recording. Um, it's fantastic! <laughs> it's such a great fucking movie. Um, yeah, I, I, I had a lot of fun with that, uh, and then going the exact opposite way, uh, for a, an upcoming episode of my other show, uh, for Drunk on VHS, uh, I watched, uh, This Is England. Oh, you didn't love, you didn't love This Is England? No, 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 I'm not saying it, well, I'm not saying it was bad, I'm saying it's not as, like, it's not a fun movie, it's, oh, it's okay. very depressing. I will say that I love this. Oh, me too. Yeah, without a doubt, great film. But I don't want to go into too much detail on it because I got to, you know, I got to talk to somebody for a half an hour about it. You should have talked to me about it, Mo, because not only have I seen This Is England, I've seen the two made-for-TV uh, yeah, series. Uh, yeah, I got miniseries. I got I got to watch it. those. I got. I really. Do. You have to. You really have to because not only do they. I mean, they are of the same quality as the movie. Maybe even a little bit better, and I love that movie. Mm. Uh, and it it really does. It you see these actors open up, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure our our UK listeners are already well aware of it. But those miniseries never got over here. So I thought uh, they were on so Netflix. That's oh, are they? Are the miniseries on there too? Yeah, I think they are. Well, they might be, but I don't know if they are. But everyone should check them out all the same. <laughs> You're supposed to just agree with what I say, Mo. What Doug That's say. how this is supposed to work. That's right. Uh, before we finish up, I do just want to talk really briefly. I just got back from TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival. All right, so no, no, uh, they're not. They're not on Netflix. Yeah, so fuck you, <laughs> drunk on VHS. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I did just come back from the film festival. I spent most of the time watching genre films. Uh, we packed in seven films in uh, in three days. Um, I, I'm just going to go through them very quickly. Yeah. I have much ado about uh, much ado about nothing. The Joss Whedon, uh, the one that he made for On the Cheap while he was editing Avengers. It was great, really excellent. Even if you don't really care for Joss Whedon, it's just a lot of fun. Very sweet, very nice adaptation. I saw No One Lives uh, from the director of Versus. For anyone who's seen that film. Nice. Uh, it's for WWE Films. Yes, a WWE Films movie was at the Toronto International Film Yeah, Festival. but that one actually looks kind of good. It's got a great uh, premise, yeah. which is that uh, a gang of criminals end up uh, kidnapping uh, who they think is just some sort of rich guy, but he ends up being like a slasher-type serial killer. Yeah. Um, and and he, he basically gets his revenge on them. It doesn't always live up to that premise, but it's very, it's very violent, and it's fun to watch. It's not a great movie, but uh, for the kind of people who listen to this, I think they'll really enjoy it. <laughs> you mean <laughs> you know idiots? You no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, the kind of crowd who would listen to us jabber on for two hours. Um, I, also I don't think anybody listened to that episode. <laughs> 
I, I also saw the ABCs of Death, which I think most of the listeners would know what that is. It's a compilation of 26 short films, all based on letters of the alphabet, and put up by the uh, Alamo Drafthouse uh, production Yeah, how was that? Company. That is, it's, the, the reaction to it has been kind of mixed, because when it's a collection of short films like that, it almost has to be. Yeah. Some of them are great, some of them are terrible, and there's lots in the middle, but a lot more work for me than didn't. I think its, it's batting average is probably around 65 or 70%. Cool, cool. And for an anthology film, that is actually really good. Well, just, re- just uh, remember, in baseball, batting a 300 is good. That's right, and we should compare it to baseball for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of notable directors. There's Jason Eisner, and there's the director of a Serbian film that I can't possibly pronounce his name, and the director of, like, Machine Girl is in there. Nice. Uh, and, and what's his name? Uh, Iguchi? Iguchi? Uh, you know what? I'm going to say that's correct. In fact, he, uh, him, and Jason Eisner, and Adam Wingard, and uh, the director of the... the, the who made a, the claymation entry that was done as like a contest? They were all there at the actual screening, and did a short Q and A afterwards. Nice. I also got to see uh, the uh, the movie Come Out and Play, which is uh, a remake or reimagining of the 1970s film Who Can Kill a Child, huh. and that's not good. In fact, it's pretty terrible. <laughs> it, if you've seen the original film, there's no reason to see this. No, I was going to say. I mean, I like Who Can Who Can Kill a Child. I mean, I'm not really looking to watch a remake. I mean, the ending of the remake, if the ending happened at the halfway point and it escalated from there, then it would be interesting. But it feels like it gets where it's trying to go right at the point where it should be, like, kicking off, but instead it just ends. Mm. It's just it's a really disappointing movie. Well, uh, though it looks nice sometimes. Uh, I also saw um, Hellbenders, uh, the... the it's with Clancy Brown, actually. I saw it in 3D, oh, yeah. and that's about <laughs> about a, a collection of uh, priests who uh, are basically uh, asked by the Vatican to uh, be experts in exorcism, but they have to be sinning all the time uh, in order to, as a last resort, take a uh, possession into themselves and kill themselves to be brought into hell with that demon. Uh, it's by J.T. Petty, um, who's written all sorts of like comic-style work. I think he did the first Arkham City Oh, sorry, the Arkham Asylum game, the video game, hmm. he wrote. Uh, and it's not good. Unfortunately, it, it, I did not enjoy it oh, that's at a, all. That's unfortunate, because I was going to say, I, 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 I kind of dig that premise. The premise is great, and I said, I think I put on Twitter that it's like a Garth Ennis comic, uh, except a really shitty one, huh. because it, it's just a, it's a, lot of, a lot of extreme content. It's fun at times, but it, doesn't, it goes absolutely nowhere, mm-hmm. and it's too bad, because Clancy Brown is awesome yeah. in it. Clancy Brown, also awesome in the movie that I saw... Uh, at midnight, uh, the very last midnight screening at TIFF, uh, John dies at the end, the Don Coscarelli movie. Uh, and that, I thought, was excellent. I know some people did not care for it. I think if you read the book, a lot of the material is going to seem like old hat because you've already seen it. But uh, Clancy Brown is in that. Uh, it's a fine adaptation. I don't know how Don Coscarelli came back from kind of straight-to-video hell to uh, bring us Bubba Hotep and now this, but I'm he's like he's like doing really great, interesting work right now. Yeah. Uh, and I hope that he continues to do it. <laughs> I also I'm just going to finish up now because I've been talking too long. I uh, I saw the last two films to ever show at the Toronto Underground Cinema, a great repertory cinema in Toronto. Uh, they finished up with a screenings of Night of the Comet, and uh, they ended up ended off with a, a great 35 millimeter print of the Last Waltz, that's the Martin Scorsese film. That's awesome. 
uh, and it was a really it was a great and it was an emotional night. They were doing speeches and uh, there was lots of pot smoke. <laughs> and it was it, it it was a memorable time. Uh, and it's it's sad. I mean, it's a representative of the world we live in right now that uh, a cinema like that, which really is dedicated to genre films, uh, ju- it just can't survive uh, without switching to digital and and it even in a market like Toronto, which can support, I mean, obviously a film festival and a lot of different theaters that are similar, uh, it's just, it's tough when the little guys sort of get squeezed out, but hopefully they'll be back in some form. Mm. I love movies, Mo. Yeah, me too, man. Me too. Yeah. I love to watch them, and I love to watch them on a big screen, and I love to watch them on a little screen. I just love to watch them. I have a, uh, I have a project that I'm going to be working on next month that I'm really excited to... Uh, uh, to start up, you know, like every, everybody does. I don't know if I talked about this on the show or not already, but I may probably not. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, how everybody does like the, they they want to do like the the thirty one days of horror and the and you know sure of course and they'll they'll try to watch like thirty horror films in thirty days or some people shoot for more. So I decided I wanted to, I wanted to do sixty. I figured I'd do sixty in thirty days and then do okay. something really special for for Halloween itself. Um, so I've got 60, I think I've got like 65 movies lined up, um, so I'll probably end up watching closer to like 70 or 80, uh, actual horror films, but the idea is the 60 that I'm gonna watch are gonna be 60 horror films I've never seen. So they're all films that you've never seen? Every single one of the 60 that I have lined up are films I've never seen. And so some of them are not going to be very shocking at all because there's a lot of horror films from, you know, between like 2004 and the present that, right. you know, like I don't watch modern horror very much. So I, so, so I kind of did, uh, did a search for like best of in, in, the, in this sort of era and, uh, and got a bunch of options from there. I also went on Netflix and found a bunch on there. Um, and I'll probably end up posting a list of which ones I watch on Netflix, so that way if uh, anybody wants to watch along with me, they can. Um, and, but the, and, there, and there are going to be a, a good handful uh, of films that people are, you know, they're going to they're gonna see it's part of that project, and they're going to be like, you've never seen that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get that all the time. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, think about it this way. Like, I spent so much time in, like, the weird sort of, like, exploitation kind of uh, subgenre uh, that I, I, there's a lot of, like, you know, well-known horror films that I've never seen. There's sometimes I feel a bit of an obligation to watch some of those films. Like a few years back, uh, though I didn't have any particular interest in them, I decided I'd sit down and watch all of the Saw films because I'd never seen any of them. And I, I felt like it was kind of hypocritical of me to have to try to try, try to give my opinion on this huge... I mean, it was the biggest thing in horror yeah. at that time uh, without at least seeing some of it. But I sat down and I watched all of it. I actually wrote a couple of essays about watching them. Uh, and it... It was an interesting experience. Uh, I think I gained a bit of an appreciation for some of what they're trying to do in there. They're, at the very least, they're great examples of a lot of incredible makeup work yeah. and things like that. That that's, uh, that's where Saw really shines, is the makeup work. Um, I, as far as films are concerned, most of them I'm just not into. I liked the first one, and I, I can't remember if it's the third or the fourth. But I don't remember liking the second... It's just you know, and I and I and I I think it's the fifth one was really bad. I I, I mean it's 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 an interesting. Uh, 
It's an interesting series in terms of quality. I, I mean, I'm probably in the minority. I don't really like the first one at all. No. Uh, I, I just d- didn't get into it. I think that once the premise has been kind of, once we all have seen the premise again and again, it doesn't hold as much weight, uh, even though there are good parts in it. I actually think, if I remember correctly, and uh, again, I haven't revisited them, I think I actually like the second one the best mm. of the series. Uh, but I might be wrong on that. It's certainly the second and third I remember being better than the rest of the entire series. Well, for me, um, the Saw series was always like the Final Destination series. It's like you can only do so much with the same premise before it's just redundant. I mean, there are some revolting things in that series. Yeah. <laughs> just really unpleasant. Uh, and But, I, you know, I think it's because... Yeah, cancer. Uh, yeah, the common criticism of of horror... Uh, in the last probably five years, has been about you know the, the torture porn using that as a label and things like that. Yeah. I just wanted to get a little bit more insight into what that was all about. And I mean, it, again, just like anything else, it's entirely blown out of proportion. Especially because the different creative visions uh, with the different directors on those Saw sequels, even though they're very similar, there's distinct differences between them. It's not like they're just cookie cutter sequels, even compared to something like the Paranormal Activity sure. series. And I've seen all of those, but those have beats that they had to hit every single time. Yeah, yeah. And the soft films do to some extent, but uh, some are more creative than others. Yeah, and then there's always this. <laughs> I want that guy on the show. <laughs> I, I do want to talk to that guy. <sighs> we went on and on, Mo, but I think we did our duty. Ha, ha, ha. We did our duty to rock and roll space patrol action is go. I like how you still, uh, like, even after, like, you, after you, you got the obligatory giggle out, you said it again and then giggled again. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um, and, uh, and I think people are going to have a good time with this one. Uh, and I, I'm, oh, we haven't talked about, what are we going to do next? Um, most of <laughs> what's coming next? Uh, was that the one that you were talking about? Is that the one you wanted to do? <laughs> Mo Stephus, yes. Okay, let's do. Okay, what uh, what I recommended to Mo, and we might change our minds, so this will be interesting. We'll see. Is is uh, I recommended that we take a look at the film Blood Cult, which for those who are uh, unfamiliar with it, was the very first film to ever be released straight to VHS. Now, it, it was a really super low-budget movie. Uh, I can't remember if it was shot on video. I don't think it was, though. The same director made that film with Tom Savini called The Ripper, and that one is shot on video. Yeah. But, but Blood Cult, I think, is just shot, uh, I don't know, maybe on 16mm or something like that. Yeah, um, I don't think it's quite 8. I think it's 16. Yeah, so I think it's, it's, I think it's worth us taking a look at. It's a slasher film. Uh, it's, you know, it, it, it is really the beginning of the sort of movies that we talk about here. So uh, I think it would be fun to kind of revisit it and see what it's all about. Yeah, and especially since the next episode we do will be in the, will be the first week in October anyway. So we'll start Ooh, We'll start October off with a horror film. We'll start it off with a bang. Boom. Boom. All right. Good night everybody. Good night folks. The podcast you're currently listening to is part of the Second Unit Podcast Network. Find all of our shows at 2upn.blogspot.com or on our Facebook under the Second Unit Podcast Network. Our fantastic list of shows include... Drunk on VHS. We came from the basement. The After Movie Diner. Something Weird This Way Comes with Rue and Mo. No budget nightmares. And Doctor Action and the Kick-Ass Kid Commentaries.
the Second Unit Podcast Network, bringing you the action, leaving the boring stuff to the other guys. Oh my God, this is a new time in Phillips, pile up on the highway!